begin as well with a prayer. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, for this time of prayer, for this time of fellowship with you, with the saints. We ask that you pour out your graces into our hearts to open our minds to hear the word that each one of us needs to hear, um, the word of your saving love in our life. Amen. Praise God. It's good to see all of you again. Um, here a couple weeks ago, Father Eisenberg. Um, and it was such a beautiful day today. Uh, hopefully you got a chance to be outside in the sun. Um, we were out taping um, for our eighth grade vocations day all day. So I was just enjoying the beauty. Um, but I'll tell you as well, it's, uh, it hasn't been that beautiful for that long outside. It's been kind of cold and dreary. Maybe you've noticed it uh, for a while. And I think it's been kind of heavy on a lot of hearts. I know it's been heavy on my heart. And just uh, this time of year is a tough time of year for a lot of people. And uh, maybe to share some, uh, kind of a, a challenge or a difficulty that I know I've experienced. Um, last week, um, I had the um, kind of tragic experience of preaching the funeral for a 20-year-old man um, who took his life. And just kind of the, the heaviness, the sadness. Um, you can think of the, kind of the coldness outside, the emptiness we feel in our hearts, um, what this young man felt. Um, and kind of a hopelessness, in a sense. And I remember looking around at the funeral, um, it was so hard to preach, um, to be there, because I knew him so well. Um, when he was a little bit younger, I knew him so well. And just to see all the people, we had 400 some people in the church, all of them with tremendous love in their hearts for this young man. But this hopelessness, um, in a sense, because all that they had hoped for, that they would see in his life, all that they hoped could change, um, all the dreams they had for him were over. Death, death is final. Death is very sudden. And there's an end where everything we hope for, everything we desire is cut short. And it's a painful moment in our life to see this kind of hopelessness of the world. But what I also saw was incredible love. Um, a church full of love that he couldn't experience in his own life. Um, people that loved him, um, that loved each other. And it was beautiful, um, kind of a beautiful moment as well. Kind of God, how he works through tragedy um, to bring and pull people together. Um, and, you know, as I've been experiencing this myself, I've noticed as well that there's been several of my priest friends that have had the exact same experience of this kind of darkness, this heaviness that people are feeling. So maybe some of you, hopefully not to that extreme, have felt it as well. Um, and we can... Um, experience this in our lives, and God allows it. Um, he allows our mistakes, our failures, our problems to sometimes sit heavy upon us. Um, sometimes in lonely places. And thinking of this young man, um, we all desire to be loved. It's one of the deepest desires of our heart, to be loved, to be known. Um, and in the midst of all of those things hitting us, it can feel like there's no escape. I think at times it even feels like God's like got a game controller in his hand and he's just kind of hitting the button over and over again, just seeing how many times you can get hit. And um, that's not what actually what he's doing, but it feels that way in our life. And so it's kind of maybe a good moment to look at what is the will of God? Like, how does God work in all this in our life? Like, what's he doing in these moments um, when we're suffering, when we're going through difficulty, or a friend that we know is going through difficulty? Because as you know, in friendship, a true friendship, we don't just see somebody's problems from the outside, we experience them ourselves. True friendship involves empathy, like a true union of souls where I can feel and I know their pain. And so we can suffer 
um, in our lives because our friends are suffering. And there's something very beautiful about that, but like, what's the will of God in all of this? Um, and there's that question in there of um, how much can I take? What is, why is this happening to me now? You even get into questions like, why does evil exist in the world? Um, does God desire all this evil? And, you know, as I've been praying for this young man and for some of my friends going through this and other people I know who are suffering, there's a reading last week, um, this first letter of James uh, at Daily Mass. Hopefully, if you haven't read the first letter of James, it's probably one of my favorite next to the Gospel of John. Um, a beautiful um, reading. And so I want to read, it was last Tuesday, and it really opens up this experience of what God desires. It says, Blessed is he who perseveres in temptation, for when he has been proven, he will receive the crown of life that he promised to those who love him. No one experiencing temptation should say, I am being tempted by God, for God is not subject to temptation to evil, and he himself tempts no one. Rather, each person is tempted when lured and enticed by his desires. Then desire conceives and brings forth sin, and when sin reaches maturity, it gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Sorry, my beloved brothers and sisters. All good giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no altercation or shadow caused by change. He willed to give us birth by the word of truth, that we may be a kind of first fruits of his creation. But it's a beautiful reading that St. James is reminding us that God is the one not who brings temptation. He's not the one who is throwing these things at us. It's God who is there to love us in the midst of it. He's the one who is there standing with us, many times holding us up when we cannot do it. It's the evil one, even sometimes our own desires. He doesn't, the evil one doesn't always need to work. Sometimes we do it on our own. We, um, our own thoughts, our own devious kind of plans. Um, but the evil one is at work. And the hard part is that God allows it this permissive will of God, that he allows evil to happen in our world. He allows us, um, as it says, our desires to choose something sinful. He allows it to reach maturity, to bring forth death. I mean, he allows all that to grow in our hearts. And I think at times, I know I thought it would be a lot easier if you just took away that problem. If you just said, you know what? Um, you're only gonna make good choices from now on. That's all you can do. Um, but if he did, he would take away our complete freedom. He would take away our freedom um, to choose, but he'd also take away our freedom to love. He'd take away our freedom to suffer, um, to choose something painful. He'd take away our freedom to do something that's difficult, that's not necessarily the clear, easy, good path. He gives us this beautiful freedom in our life. And he allows all these things to happen, right? And so you have God's permissive will. He permits all these things to happen that aren't necessarily good things. So where is God's active will? Like, where does God actually desire the good for me? St. James says it, that every good, let me see where it's at in here again, all good giving and every perfect gift is from above. Right? So if God is giving me these good gifts, where is it? Um, in the midst of suffering, where is it? In the midst of all these difficulties, where are these gifts? Um, where is God's active will the good that he is doing. And I presume that's probably why most of you are here today, because like, you wanted to be in the presence of God to receive. 
Right? You didn't just come here to stare at a wall and kind of go, eh, that was nice. Like, I want to receive something of God. And we do it, come here in silence. Um, we come here in quiet um, so that we can be open and we can listen. It's kind of the beauty of like knowing God's will and hearing it in our life takes quiet. It takes, at times, sitting in our suffering, coming here in our, in our pain and being before him, saying, I know that this isn't your active will in my life that I suffer, but you're allowing it. But God, what do you desire right now in this moment? What, what is the, your will for me today in the midst of this suffering, in the midst of this difficulty? And his active will is present in these little moments, in these little moments of silence. Um, and I'd say there's a couple things to help understand or maybe to, to know what they are. Um, one is that usually God does not draw us to comfort. God draws us away from comfort. He draws us to discomfort so that we can go out and do something that we wouldn't normally do. So the first one is like that God loves to pull us out of our comfort. He also draws us to love, to give. Um, so when those things, like there's little moments in our life where we get this little thought in our head and you're kind of, you know, walking down the sidewalk and um, you see a homeless man on the side of the street and that little thought pops in your head. Um, just go say hello and say a prayer with that man. And you go, no, nah, don't want to do it. And you kind of walk past and you say, that's nice, God, not going there. Um, first off, we usually say that's nice, God, we know it's him. <laughs> um, but how do we know it's him? Because he's calling us out of our comfort and he's calling us to love to give of ourselves for somebody else. He loves to draw us out. God's active will is not about me and what I need and what I want, ultimately. It's what does he want to do through me, which yes, affects me, and it helps me to know him, to love him, and it helps me to experience his love in my life, but he always draws us out, out of ourselves, out of our own stubbornness, out of our own inward leaning, navel gazing selves, right? And it's beautiful as well, because in our sufferings, that's what happens. We turn inward and God says, stop looking at yourself. I have a plan for you. My will is that you do this. You know, he draws us and moves us out. Since it's that little voice, that little like moment. And I think most of us know that. We know it well. Um, we don't like it usually. I was thinking of a, a moment last summer. Um, and being the vocation director, I do a lot with the different seminarians and different groups that we have. And we were actually doing a service week with the seminarians. We were working at our retreat center, San Damiano. Um, we were working with the Dominican nuns out in Linden, um, doing some work on their property with the, and also there at the, um, at the retreat center, put a beautiful path in there. And it was the last day, it was Friday. And I was set to preach that day. And um, I got up early, did a holy hour as you just did. And there was two other seminarians that were like the 16 that were there. Two others were like got up early to pray with me. I was like, oh, this is great. I got a couple of guys to pray. I was kind of quiet. And I was praying in the chapel, and my eyes were drawn to the San Damiano cross. It's a Franciscan cross. Have you seen it? Um, like a normal crucifix, except it's got a lot of people in it, a lot of imagery. There's a lot of color. And so I was praying. It was dark. It was like 6 in the morning. My eyes were kind of halfway open. And I was just like, I didn't have my contacts in, so I was looking. I was like, what? What is going on on that cross? <laughs> so there's a lot happening. And the sun was pouring through the back window of the chapel, through this um, the stained glass window up there. And the only thing in the chapel lit up was that cross. And so like, your attention was drawn to it. 
And it was one of those moments like, okay, like you want me to see this right now at six in the morning. Like my eyes are on this cross. I can't see it though. <laughs> my contacts aren't in. I can't see what it is. Jesus, what does he want me to see? So I did the number one rule that you never do in prayer. I took out my phone <laughs> and I looked up what this cross was. I said, I got to see what this is. And I was reading about it on Wikipedia and like the very last part of it spoke about like at Jesus's left shin, there's a bird that's there and it's a rooster. And it's there to signify Jesus's threefold love for St. Peter. I was like, that's weird um, that you draw me to that Lord. But that's what I was just really attracted to when I was praying. My eyes were on this cross. I was really drawn to this rooster that was by the leg of Jesus. I'm usually attracted to weird things in prayer. Um, that's just how God works in me. I was like, well, I kept praying, had a whole holy hour. And so I pulled out my spiritual book that day and it was kind of broken up in little sections. So the section I was on, the very first line talked about Jesus' threefold love for St. Peter. I was like, well, that's crazy because I was just seeing that on the cross. Um, so I continued to pray and I said, well, I guess you want me to notice it. So I continued to pray and I was going through the readings for the day. Do you know what the gospel was? Jesus' threefold love for St. Peter. And I was like, this is ridiculous. What are you doing, right? Um, what is the will of God? I can tell you very clearly, he wanted me to preach about the threefold love of St. Peter. Like there was no doubt in my mind. He was saying, pay attention. Um, and in my life, he speaks in doubles, triplicates, quadruplicates. He is, uh, he's very good at repeating himself over and over again because he knows I'm deaf, um, right? We all are to a certain extent, um, or at least our ears are not open. And he does it sometimes in funny ways, in, in strange ways as he did for me. Um, why am I preaching tonight on suffering? Because it's been on my heart and I can't get rid of it, right? And I was praying like, what these people need to hear? And everywhere I went, it kept coming back to suffering. It kept coming back um, to this young man. And it kept coming back to this will of God in our life. So I think it's a kind of a beautiful thought in our world, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of all of this difficulty, God's will is present. It's not all that evil. He allows it. He brings good out of it. Yes, it's not what this talk is about. Um, it's what does he actually desire in your life? Like, what does he want for you today in your life? And there's something very beautiful in that he has brought you here tonight. And he knows you. He desires you. And as we're praying here in adoration, as you have been praying here, he's also standing with us. You know, it's kind of hard to preach as adoration is going on because I'm standing next to Jesus himself. But somehow he allows it. He allows me to say words um, on his behalf because he desires to love you. He desires to stand in your midst. And, you know, the image I have is um, after Easter or after the resurrection. And the apostles are cowering and they're hiding in the upper room. They've locked the door. And Jesus walks through the doors, stands in their midst and says, peace be with you. And he does the same thing to us today. In the midst of our fears, our cowardice, our suffering, our loneliness, where we feel like all hope is lost, as the apostles felt at that moment, he comes and stands in their midst. And he says, peace be with you. He does that to us today. Um, this first part of his will is that he comes to stand with us. Um, and the second part is that we're open. That we come in silence so that we can hear his voice um, not his voice working through me, but his actual voice in my life. And I think looking at the suffering in our world, 
thinking of this as well, of like, what is God's will for us? Yes, to bring us to holiness. Yes, to us have us send us out in the world, but why? Because our world needs hope. This young man's life felt hopeless, but through us, through God working through me, through you, he himself can go into the world and bring hope. He can bring hope to people who are hopeless. Um, and not just hope of this life, like that I can have a good job and I can have a good future. Those things are important. But that we have a purpose in this life. That we have a purpose to our day today, to who we are. And we have an eternal purpose. That we have a place in eternal life that's unique for us around God's altar. And what we do today, this active will of God, draws others to his heart. We become part of his mission to draw souls, to bring them hope, to bring them life. And that's ultimately when our life begins to take off because then suddenly our work doesn't matter. None of the things we do matter. I mean, they do in a sense because they bring us this worldly hope, like I need to continue. Um, but suddenly we start listening for this voice of God everywhere. You know, on your way to work, you're praying for a coworker and um, you don't even know why, but this, like, you just feel like this desire to pray and you get there um, and you encourage this person and you just see a tear in their eye and you realize, wow, like they must be having a really tough day but he put them on my heart. He, he wants me to give them hope. Great, do it. Right? His will is present everywhere in our life because he wants to bring love, hope, in the midst of suffering. Right? That he wants to do all of it. And it's kind of a beautiful mission, right? And he allows us to be part of it um, and he desires us to be part of it. So I just pray for you in the midst of maybe difficulties you're going through or friends um, that you can be that hope for somebody, that you can bring his life, his love, and that you can hear his will more clearly, that you can take these moments of silence, not just today, but every day, and cultivate that um, awareness in your life of his love. God bless you, and I'll be praying for you this week, um, that in the midst of, it's going to get colder tomorrow, in the midst of our cold, still February, um, that you may experience his love and his hope.